Hello, and welcome to Smart Supply Chain, a podcast produced by ALOM, featuring industry experts offering insight and clarity on a variety of supply chain topics. I'm your host, Jennifer Duell. As an environmentally and socially conscious global supply chain services provider, ALOM offers Six Sigma quality, technology leadership, flexibility, and true customer focus. ALOM delivers its clients' products flawlessly, enriching the end user experience and upholding their brand reputations. Today's guest expert is Brandon Murag, a familiar voice here at Smart Supply Chain. After being with ALOM for 20 years, he recently took on the newly created position of Chief Operating Officer. He continues to serve ALOM as the Chief Technology and Privacy Officer as well. I thought this would be a good opportunity to discuss the role of a COO in supply chain. Thank you for being here today, Brandon. Absolutely. Excited to be here. And congratulations on your promotion. Thank you. I've been getting lots of nice notes from people throughout the company and social media as well. So it's been a fun couple of weeks so far. Tell me about what you would feel are the top priorities for the COO of a supply chain solutions provider. That really is a couple of things. One is the integration of technology into our services. And that's the thing that I'm so excited about with me taking over this role. It's really that integration of our technology stack and our operations services and really taking things to the next level from a technology perspective in operations. That's productivity. That is service offering, both from a breadth perspective and a depth perspective, where we can be more mature in some service areas, where we can be more productive in some service areas and really bring more value to our customers. That's what I'm excited about. That's our top priority. You know, every company now is becoming a tech company. And of course, supply chain, it is no different. Right. So if we were to talk about integration of the tech stack within a supply chain company, where do you think would be the biggest points of integration? Certainly integration between partners inside of a partner network or a supply chain as a whole. So we're talking about everything from the original manufacturer all the way through the entire supply chain, even to the end user, and getting as much visibility into that supply chain as you possibly can so that you're hitting some balance of being lean and being flexible so that you don't have either the problem of being over-positioned with your inventory or under-positioned. We just saw that. We just went through this entire COVID thing where everybody was super lean and super optimized, set it and forget it kind of mentality because things don't change that much. And then COVID happened and you get the classic toilet paper on the shelves problem because things just change too fast. And that's really coming from a few things, right? That's coming from a lack of flexibility and a lack of visibility into what's happening to be able to react quickly. But of course, you don't want to be on the other hand, because now everybody's overreacting and buying too much. And we see that. We're seeing that across the industry right now, where everybody has got too much inventory because of this effect of having too little for a long time, and now everybody's overeating. One of the ways of solving that is really with technology, right? where you can do better trend analysis of what's happening. You can run models with things like digital twins. And you can really be more predictive about environmental shifts or environmental changes that can save you in those situations. 
the pandemic and the issues within the supply chain created this light bulb above the technology industry's head. And it was, there's so much opportunity within supply chain to create integrations. Prior to this, you felt like the technology that was focused on an agile, flexible, resilient, effective supply chain was really lacking. And that now there is this investment in creating kind of the next generation of supply chain focused technology. Do you think that's true? Or do you feel like that's maybe overstated? I think that's the goal. I think everybody was absolutely on that as we came out of COVID here. What I'm curious about is how much it's going to stick and how much it's going to come to fruition, or does a large portion of the industry fall back into their old thinking? I like to be optimistic, so I don't think that will happen, but I'll be curious to watch it for sure to see if it does. And of course, interested to participate. Right. So we're talking about predictive analytics and we're talking about anything related to inventory management and tie into e-commerce and obviously into procurement, things of that nature. But there is an additional element. You said that there was a second one. But the other one was adding technology or technology-like things to the product, to the, the actual product that we are assembling or shipping or duplicating. And that's been happening over time. What would be an example of that? Sure. So example of that is you have an air filter and an air filter that's a fancy fan, right? We've all had those. We remember the commercials back in the day where you had a box full of smoke and you put the little air filter in the box and all the smoke goes away. Remember those? So those were, those are just fancy fans with air filters in them. And now you've got fans that are internet of things, right? They are like smart home systems. And so products being, being imbued almost with technology. Right. Everything's being imbued with technologies. And there's a last leg there. Like we talk a lot about the last leg of shipping, which is the last leg is FedEx or UPS, how we get into that last leg between that last DC and the end user, right? So the last mile between the end user and the distribution center. Right. That's the last mile. And I'd like to think about the last mile from a digital or technology perspective or a data perspective. And because a lot of our customers want that last update of the firmware, or that last capture of a MAC address, or that last piece of programming that they want to add to their product, who knows what it is, in some technological way before it gets to that end user. And the closer you can do that to the last mile, the better experience the user is going to have. Do you feel that it's even possible to separate operations from technology? Without technology, your operations are all manual. For a long time, you've been able to have an operations department where you lean on a separate operational technology department, the people that are in charge of the warehouse management system or the transportation management system, or they don't really need to be super tech savvy, or they don't need to understand necessarily what the system is doing, as long as they know that it works and they can move on with their lives. And that's shifting. It's less and less acceptable that the people who are in charge of those systems from an ownership perspective, from a usage perspective, don't fully understand them and don't fully understand what they can do or could do because that's where people are moving. There was probably a day where it was acceptable that you didn't really know how to use a toaster without somebody teaching you how to use a toaster. And I'm not sure that's so acceptable anymore. And it's the same thing with any type of new technology. So what I see is warehouse operations, distribution operations, 3PLs, supply chain companies, 
it's going to be less and less acceptable for the users of these systems to not fully understand how those systems work and how they can work or could work in a better way. There's also the element of technology within manufacturing and within fulfillment and within the actual distribution center. There's automation. Is that something that you're thinking about in your new role? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Digital transformation and automation are two huge goals that I'm very excited at bringing to bear in this new role. So we've been doing this over time with continuous improvement plans as far as productivity improvements and some automation and some digital transformation where we're taking things off of paper and onto electronic devices and those kinds of things. But it's always been a project where it's ran between two departments and that gets prioritized just like anything else. But with me in the new role, I feel like I can really target those things in a much more efficient manner. We're talking about integration and adding on the layers of automation and making everything talk to each other and work together. I am curious, though, are we in a place right now where operationally we supply chain providers are bringing technology into formerly manual and non-tech process? So it's still a struggle, especially with a lot of the largest supply chain service providers, in my opinion. We still have a lot of monolithic systems out there that are not bad. They're not bad systems, but they're monolithic. They're jack of all trades, master of none, and they become restrictive in certain ways. Here's the integration packet, and that's what we can do. And if you can't, then so sorry. And it's not like they're being jerks about it. It's just, it's their monolithic system that they've optimized and invested a a, a huge amount of money in. And it becomes very difficult for them to be flexible with those types of systems. And one of the things that we've had a different mindset at Alon is we try to take a different approach from the monolithic system. We try to take the approach of a decoupled but highly integrated technology stack. Well, that means that we have a lot of really good smaller applications that are highly integrated with each other. The benefit of that is that you can take pieces in and out of that type of environment way easier. So if you are a customer with a maybe one of our competitors that's using something like SAP or Manhattan, one of those big monolithic systems, if you were integrated with them and you had really good visibility and everything was running great and they decided to switch from Manhattan to SAP, boy, you would know about it because you're going to have to redo that entire integration and rethink about how all that works, which is why people don't do it, right? People don't switch from SAP to Manhattan. When you were talking about the different pieces of technology that are the different platforms that are part of the technology stack and they integrate together, I immediately thought of this analogy of having a handyman who does everything. They know a little bit like an electrician and they know a little bit about plumbing and they know a little bit about woodwork versus having someone who specializes in, let's say, wood floors or someone who specializes specifically in plumbing or in tile work. And I think that anyone who's gone through a renovation can tell you that having the master of none which I hate to say it, the handyman, is going to get you in trouble, especially with electricity, especially with plumbing, tile work, you're going to have crooked lines. (laughs) And so it's worth 
having a specialist, someone to the tech stack point, having a special platform and where they all work together. So the plumber works together with the tile person, the yeah. drywall person works with the electrician. And, yeah. and is that a good analogy? Yeah, it's a great analogy. And to further the analogy, you have the general contractor, he's hired a plumber, he's hired an electrician, he's hired a carpenter, he's hired a drywall guy, and you work with that general contractor and he's really good. What happens if he decides that he doesn't like that plumber anymore and he gets rid of that plumber and puts a new plumber in? Do you even notice? And that's the idea. The benefit of that is flexibility. And also, I'm assuming, correct me if I'm wrong, but it also goes into quality, right? So you've got a warehouse management system that you are running in half of your warehouses, but not the other half. And you don't want to now switch it while the other half of the customers that are in those places need to move to the new WMS system. And it's a big upgrade and a giant project and that whole thing. But if you're running this kind of microservice architecture where you have a bunch of small purpose-built things doing just what they're especially good at, I put warehouse management systems in that bucket. So my goal is that we could take a warehouse management system out of our environment, put in a brand new one from a different manufacturer that operates completely differently, and none of our customers who are integrated with us would even notice it happen. So instead of the game Jenga, right? Yeah. Where you have to be so careful in which blocks you remove or else the whole stack will fall down. So it's the same thing with the supply chain. You have to be so careful. It's going to be so noticeable if you take out one piece of your technology, the whole supply chain would collapse. Right. And you're talking about creating an impenetrable Jenga. <laughs> I like it. But that's exactly what's happening, right? Yeah, it's a, no, no matter what piece you pull out of the Jenga stack, it doesn't collapse. It's still as sturdy as ever. Yeah, for sure. How hard do you think it's going to be for people who are focused on operations and a COO role yeah. in supply chain providers over the next five to 10 years? That job is going to get more and more complex. Yeah, it's going to become less and less acceptable that you don't understand how your systems or the system or the integration or even the ecosystem that you're part of works. And so you're going to have to be a subject matter expert from a technology perspective more than you needed to be in the past. And of course, there's this entire idea of the last mile and the immediacy of flexibility and making small changes at the very end. That's going to become, I think, more and more common than it is right now. It's going to be tough. It seems like a very big challenge beyond the fact that every company has become a technology company. As a supply chain provider, you are aligning yourself and customizing yourself and meeting the needs of many different companies. You had talked earlier about the integration of the partner network. And that goes beyond the tech stack to suppliers, to transportation. They themselves could be not as advanced in their way of looking at technology. And then that creates additional issues as well. Yeah, for sure. And there is a niche of people who are helping those larger corporations be more nimble. I think that maybe the cleanest example I can think of is you've got FedEx, let's take FedEx and UPS, right? Enormous companies with enormous systems. And there's an entire industry of guys out there that they make software to modernize 
the integration and visibility of those two huge companies. And they're doing it too. To both FedEx and UPS's credit, they made a lot of strides in that type of integration visibility, especially over the past five years. But there's also an entire industry that's just making it easier to get that visibility out of FedEx and UPS when you are a smaller manufacturer that's looking for that type of visibility and they don't have the resources to really dive into the full FedEx or UPS stack. So there is certainly a lot of startups and not even startups, but just software companies out there that are trying to fill that gap. It's interesting. Tell me what some of the challenges are that are facing supply chain providers, manufacturers, anything in that. And I'm going to immediately say I would think that labor would be at the top of that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, labor is absolutely the number one thing. It's almost hard to even talk about anything else because labor is going to be such a problem for everyone in almost every way, and especially in supply chain. So, And it's not even skilled labor anymore, right? The whole idea of that word skilled has dropped off and now it's just labor at all. It's just labor at all. It's getting anybody to be interested in, in, in a position you've got open. And I think that's going to continue. I think we're only seeing the beginning of that shift as people have rethought about how they want to work and how they want to live over these past couple of years. And it's been a dramatic shift. There's no doubt. People are very hopeful that technology will be able to solve some of the labor issues, if not all of them. How delusional is that? (laughs) Yeah, it makes me think of uh, Elon and Tesla when they tried to have the cars built 100% by robotics. And they tried that for almost two years and then dialed it back. I forget what he said at the time, but it was something about we underestimated the value of of a manual laborer on, on a production line. So it is partially delusional, I guess you could say. I think we're always going to need people for those types of roles. It's just, it's too dynamic, especially in our business of contract supply chain, where we have so many different products, so many different industries that we service that are all changing individually, automating or bringing robotics to bear at that type of scale where hundred percent replaced by robotics is just not really feasible. So the way I like to think about technology, quote unquote, fixing the labor problem is to make the jobs that no one wants to do much easier to do and much more value add. So instead of I'm, I'm screwing the top on a bottle like Lucy and I love Lucy over and over again, instead of doing that, I'm working with the robot to make sure that that's happening perfectly all the time rather than doing the manual labor. I'm actually managing the tool better. So it's really just having better tools so that you can make those jobs that people don't want to do better, more bearable, more bearable, more, more enjoyable, more yeah. rewarding, more, more tech forward, where we're really relying on that human brain more than we are relying on that human elbow. I just have to ask you, you brought up Lucy and I love Lucy. I just, I think it's hilarious that you brought that up because it just occurred to me. So many of I love Lucy episodes actually have to do with manufacturing. There are, yeah, I, that, that's what I remember too. Yeah, I remember, and so I there's even the one where she's like crushing the grapes with her feet, which is like <laughs> right. a manual process. And then there's the episode where she's working on the chocolate line and she gets behind and she shoves her mouth full of chocolate. Yep, that one too. So. I'm so curious, if it came down to an employee like Lucy or automation, which one would you choose, Brandon? (laughs) That's a really good question. I think I'd have to say, I'm a people person. 
first. So I think so I'd you would to, choose Lucy, even Lucy. despite all of her foibles. I think Lucy's going to have a ton of creative ideas on how we can do that thing better. <laughs> That's awesome. Because talk about trouble, redheaded trouble in your manufacturing facility. Yeah, exactly. um, what else do you think that we should talk about related to your new position, related to challenges? One of the things that I'm really hot on right now is making sure our values are pervasive in the company. It's not like my day-to-day has dramatically shifted, but it is a, a bit of a different perspective and I am getting new information and things like that. Like for instance, today I had a meeting with all of our assembly leads, the guys and gals that are leading lines of assembly work, about 20 or so of them from different shifts and different walks of life, very diverse. And getting to know them over the hour that I spent with them has been very enlightening. And hearing what is troubling them, what is making them happy, what is not making them happy, and how I can help their experience at Elon be more and more positive. And that's really through making sure that our values are being upheld at every level in the operation. And that's not something that I was necessarily thinking about as I was coming into this role, but it's certainly something that I'm now very interested in and very intent on making a real difference around. That idea of values permeating every part of the organization seems more of a softer, less measurable kind of thing to focus on. But when in in fact, it actually is impacting every part of the business from whether people show up on time, if they work as a team, if they're focused on quality, the turnover, making sure that you're keeping that intellectual capital within the organization. Yep. I was just really impressed with their passion about what they're doing and their passion for doing a good job and their passion for coming to work. And it could even get emotional in having those types of conversations with that group of people. And they were super open with me and super excited to talk to me. And it was a really great experience for me. And our people are our greatest asset for sure. And it's not even close. And for me, one of my core tenants that I've always had is a do no harm or improve people's lives with problem solving solutions or technology, period. It's always been a core tenant of the technology department in Elam that we've not introduced systems for the sake of having systems. These systems need to help people. They need to improve the lives of the people that are doing the work. And so improving people's lives is something that I think I can be even more effective on in my new role. And I'm super excited about that. Do you think that having these two roles combined is actually create some synergies and some efficiencies that maybe you hadn't anticipated? Maybe some efficiencies that I hadn't anticipated as far as just communicating and brainstorming, solutioning on the spot, I think will become a little bit more efficient, especially in, in working with customers in the kind of a partnership, and which, of course, is what we strive for. I do enjoy working with our customers. I don't think that's going to become much more or much less than I'm already doing. And I think that will just continue and me perhaps be a little bit more efficient, like you said. Is there... A lot of crossover when you think about the way that you approach things in the technology-oriented mindset as opposed to an operational mindset. I certainly hope so. Being able to work and collaborate with people very easily, being able to brainstorm very easily, being able to solutions build and really approach a problem from a process perspective and approach it from a, how do we make everybody win? How do we make this thing work well and do it in a way that 
is going to improve everyone's lives around it. People that make it, the people that, that put it together, the people that ship it, the people that receive it, the people that use it. And that's what's really fun, right? It's how do we design the process or the product to do that. That's always been a, my biggest draw to my work is finding those elegant solutions that are efficient, that are sustainable, that seem easy. And I think that's what our customers really appreciate is getting that kind of elegant, easy solution. A lot of the time that comes from me. Either it's coming from me or it's coming from a collaboration that I'm putting together. And I think that exactly will be the same thing in the COO role and maybe even more so, especially internally. Brandon, I really enjoyed our conversation today and learned a lot. And I hope that you'll come back on our podcast soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Smart Supply Chain. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information or to contact ALOM, go to alom.com. That's A-L-O-M dot com.